0: It's going to seem like a weird time of year to bring this up, but I'm not a fan of storms. And I mean like any kind of storms, I'm just not a big fan of storms, especially driving in them. Uh, one, I don't like thunderstorms very much. And I just, so, How many of you like thunderstorms? There are some yeah, weird people out there who really like thunderstorms. Uh, I don't like thunderstorms because it reminds me of about 10 years ago when we had a tornado rip through Griffith. And what a terrifying that night that was. It reminds me of when I was a little kid uh, and being terrified of, of thunder and, and, and lightning. And so I, I don't like storms. I don't like thunderstorms. I don't like snowstorms. Oh, do I hate snow? I hate snow. Uh, and I, live, I, I lived in Minnesota for five years, and I think I hate snow more now that I live here than when I lived there. But I don't like driving in snowstorms. I don't like driving in the snow at all. Uh, I don't like ice storms. I particularly don't like ice storms. I hate ice storms. And I just, I just don't like storms. And here's the thing about storms is that storms aren't always physical. They're not always weather related. No, we, we go through different storms in our lives, don't we? We go through storms of pain and heartache and loss. We go through physical storms, emotional storms, mental storms, health related storms loss-related storms, we go through storms in life, right? I mean, maybe, you've, maybe you're going through a storm right now. Maybe you're going through a, a health-related storm and you've heard the words, there's nothing more we can do. That's a storm. Or you've heard the words, I'm sorry, but you've got cancer. That's a storm. Maybe you're going through a financial storm and you found out that your job is not going to be there 60 days from now. Or you're going to be laid off for a while and they don't know how long. Maybe you're going through a storm of pain and loss. Someone you love is gone. Or someone you love is dying. And you're just in a tornado of pain and heartache and hurt and you're going through this storm maybe you've got a mental illness like me <laughs> and it just it's it's a constant storm that never stops whether it's depression or bipolar or whatever it's a storm that just rages day in and day out could be a relational storm you heard those words i don't think i love you anymore as they turned away and walked out those are storms my friends those are storms you've been through them i've been through them there's more on the horizon we go through storms in life and it's hard And storms, those kinds of storms, can fill your heart with fear. Afraid of what's going to happen next. Or afraid if you're not even going to make it, if you're not even going to survive the storm that you're in. And you're terrified and filled with fear over these storms. Well, I'm here to tell you there is good news. And that is that God is with you, even in the midst of the storm. You are not alone in your storm. And we're going to talk about that today as we talk about faith here in Mark chapter 4. We started a series a couple weeks ago on the book of Mark. Now, if you're not familiar with the book of Mark, it is a gospel. And a gospel is simply a biography of Jesus. There are four of them in the New Testament, one written by Matthew, one by Mark, one by Luke, one by John. And the Gospel of Mark is, was written by a young man named John Mark. And John Mark was a traveling companion of the Apostle Peter. And he wrote down the stories and the teachings of Jesus that Peter told when he was preaching. And then he compiled them into what we know as the book or Gospel of Mark. Now, there are several themes that we've seen already in the Gospel of Mark as we started a few weeks ago. One is that Jesus is always on the move. He's always going somewhere. And that's why this series is titled, walking with jesus because he's always on the move and we are walking with him we are learning what it means to walk with jesus better every day and we've seen that he goes from place to place and he teaches and he has authority we're going to see one of the ways he has authority today Um, but one of the ways that he taught was using parables and we're going to see the first parables that jesus teaches in the book of mark today now the a parable i've often heard it said a parable is a An earthly story with a heavenly meaning. In other words, Jesus uses everyday objects and situations and people in order to communicate heavenly truths. Truths about God, truths about himself, truths about the kingdom of God. And one of the things we're going to talk about today is the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is wherever God is ruling and reigning, wherever he is. So it is the rule and reign of God. And Jesus came to teach people about God, to teach people about the kingdom of God. And he came to bring the kingdom of God, to bring the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. And so we're going to see how the kingdom grows today and how faith grows within us in Mark chapter 4. Now, we're not reading the entire thing. Uh, We're not reading every verse uh, because Mark writes really long chapters. But one of the things that I want to encourage you to do is to grab a bulletin today. And on the bulletin, you will find a weekly reading plan that you can follow along and read the next chapter leading up to next week's message. So this week, we're going to read Mark chapter 5, getting ready for next week's message. Um, So if if you've been following along, great. Uh, If you want to start that, it's a great way to prepare yourselves uh, for the upcoming message so we are in Mark chapter 4 if you brought a Bible great turn to Mark chapter 4 if you didn't bring one you can grab one out of the chair in front of you it's on page 709 of that Bible uh, or you can use your favorite app on your smartphone or tablet uh, an app like YouVersion or Bible Gateway it's a great way to follow along please don't look down upon those who are looking at their phones around you they're probably probably following along with the Bible verses at least they should be and, it, no, it's all, it's all good. They're texting their friends about what a great time they're having in church and uh, how they need to come with them next week. So let's do that. Um, so one of these days I'm going to do that. I'm going to say pull out your phone and text a friend and invite them to church next week. That's a good way. That's a good thought right there. And yeah, a little tip from your Uncle Sean. Invite a, text a friend and invite him to church. Um, but we're in Mark chapter 4. And uh, this uh, chapter begins with Jesus being surrounded by people. Uh, everywhere Jesus went he was mobbed by people they, they flocked around him they were all over him they were trying to reach out and, and just touch him in fact next week we're going to see a story where, the, where a woman reached out and touched Jesus for healing and interrupted uh, uh, him raising someone from the dead which is a really interesting story uh, but we'll talk about that next week for today uh, he is by the Sea of Galilee, which is a large sea in Israel. Um, and he, uh, was, there were so many people around him that he actually uh, got into a boat on uh, the Sea of Galilee and was teaching from this boat. And he begins to teach them using parables. And the first parable he teaches is in Mark 4, verses 3 through 8. And So we're going to look at that right now. And the words are on the screen as well. He says, uh, Listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew and produced a crop. Multiplying 30, 60, or even 100 times. Then Jesus said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. So Jesus tells his uh, followers, his disciples, and all the crowds around him this parable of a farmer going out and scattering seed. And he just kind of willy-nilly just scattered the seed wherever he went and and waited to see what happened. Well, his disciples, Jesus' disciples, come to him and they ask, him to explain, they ask him to explain why he's teaching in parables. Why doesn't he just make it plain? Why doesn't he just teach plainly so that everyone can understand him? And this is his response in verses 11 and 12. He told them, The secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to those on the outside everything is said in parables, so that they may be ever seeing but never perceiving, and ever hearing but never understanding. Otherwise they might turn and be forgiven." And that seems like a really odd thing for Jesus to say. Well, he's quoting the prophet Isaiah. And the prophet Isaiah, in chapter 6, verses 9 and 10, said these exact same words. And what the prophet Isaiah meant, uh, the reason God told him uh, to, to preach in such a way uh, that people wouldn't understand. It's not that God didn't want people to understand. It's not that God didn't want people to turn and be forgiven. No, uh, the problem was is that the people's hearts were hardened and they didn't want to understand. In Isaiah's day, uh, they had turned their backs on God, and they were worshiping false gods. They were worshiping idols instead of the one true God. And so Isaiah isn't being told, go ahead and preach to these people, but don't let them understand. Isaiah's being told, you're going to go preach to these people, and they don't want to understand. They don't want anything to do with me. And so you're going to have a, a frustrating ministry, Isaiah, and the people will never turn. And so when Jesus says that he is doing this, he's talking about the people around him who didn't want to understand. They didn't want to, to, uh, uh, the kingdom of God explained to them. It's not that Jesus didn't want people to be forgiven. It's not that Jesus didn't want people to turn away from their sins. No, he wanted them to, but their hearts were hard. But he was going to teach and preach anyway so that when his disciples uh, remembered his teachings later, they would be able to explain them. And the disciples come to him and ask him to explain the parable of the soils, and he does. And he tells them that four kinds of soil, and these four kinds of soils represent four different kinds of people. The first is the, the, the seed that lands along the path. Kind of think about like a, a hard ground path where the dirt is compact and seeds can't penetrate. Kind of, if you ever go hiking in the woods I, I don't know what this is like I've seen pictures of it uh, I'm not a woods hiker, um, but along the path the paths that are cleared for you to walk on you to walk on, not me um, but the seed falls on that path and it can't penetrate the soil it can't penetrate the ground uh, and, and therefore it doesn't grow up and the birds come along and they eat the seed uh, Jesus says that's like the devil comes and when you when you hear the word it just it doesn't penetrate to the heart, and it doesn't change anyone's life. It doesn't change someone's life, and the devil steals that message from them, and they never figure it out. Uh, the second kind of soil uh, is a, a thin layer of soil over over like bedrock, and the seed lands in the soil, and it and it grows quickly because there is some nutrients there, and there is some water there, and the seed starts to grow up quickly. But the problem is the roots don't go down deep. And, and when persecution comes when troubles come when difficulties come that, that plant is, is scorched and it, and it quits growing and it dies and it withers the third kind of soil is kind of a weedy thorny soil with lots of weeds in it and the, the seed lands on this soil and it, and it goes down it penetrates the soil and it begins to grow but the problem is it gets choked out by the weeds and by the thorns And Jesus says that's like the wealth, uh, the desire for wealth and greed and the things of this world. It'll choke out your faith. It'll make you want the things of this world more than the things of God. And it chokes out your faith. The last kind of soil, Jesus says, is a a good soil where the the seed penetrates the soil and it begins to grow. And he says it produces a crop 30, 60, or 100 times. Well, in those days, a crop just four times uh, of, of what was planted Would be considered a good crop Jesus says it'll produce 30, 60, or 100 times It's amazing growth When the word of God penetrates your heart And begins to change you And builds your faith And grows your faith in Jesus And when it does that It'll produce an incredible crop Of righteousness and holiness uh, Obedience and evangelism And you'll share your faith with others That's how faith grows it's one of the way that faith grows we'll get into that in just a few minutes so jesus tells him this parable and then he begins to talk about himself and he says that he talks about a lamp and how jesus is the light of the world and what do you do with the lamp he says you don't put it under a bed you don't hide it under a bushel no you let it shine let it shine let it shine let it shine right thank you all my sunday school vbs friends but you, you don't hide a lamp. You don't hide a light. You put it on a stand so that it fills the house with light. Same thing Jesus says goes for our faith. That we need to share our faith. We need to uh, light this world up with our faith. And we need to shine the light of Jesus into those dark places. And and then he talks about he talks about the lamp on a stand. Then he talks about he says consider carefully what you hear and and the message that you hear you need to share it with others and how you measure it out is how it'll be measured back to you and so if you are faithful in sharing your faith you're going to see other people come to faith in Christ they're going to put their faith and trust in him they're going to believe in him and turn away from sin and repentance confess their faith they're going to get baptized and let me tell you I, I can't even describe to you the joy that God fills your heart with when somebody accepts Jesus as their Savior and they get baptized, knowing that you had a part in that, that you had a little part in that, it's amazing to see how God changes a, a life. And knowing that you had a part in that is, is so uh, impactful and so incredible. And I just want to encourage you to share your faith with others. To tell people about the difference that God has made in your life. To tell people about the difference that Jesus makes in your life. Not just for eternity, not just for heaven, but for what he does here on earth. The peace that he gives, the love that he gives, the joy that he gives, the strength that he gives in the hard times, the comfort that he gives in those times of pain and loss. That Jesus makes a difference. And if you will share that faith with others, it'll make a difference in their life too. If you knew that you had something that would make someone else's life better and you didn't share it with them, what kind of a jerk are you? (laughs) No offense. None taken, I know. But seriously, if you knew that you had something that would make someone else's life so much better because it's made your life so much better and you withhold it from them and you're like, I don't want to be a Jesus freak. No, 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 be a Jesus freak. It's okay. He's the way, the truth, and the life, okay? He died for you. He died for them. So tell them about it. Tell them about his love. Tell them about the strength he gives you in the hard times of life. Tell them about the joy he gives you that even when life stinks, you know that God is with you and that you have this incredible salvation. Tell people about how he provided for you when everything was falling apart. He provided for you financially, emotionally, physically, spiritually. Tell people. Shine his light so that others will hear the good news and turn and find the things that you have found. It starts when we share our faith. Well, Jesus tells a couple more parables. I want to just briefly cover those. One is in in Mark 4, 27 through 29. He talks about this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground and says night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain. First the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come. And our job is to scatter that seed, to sow that seed, is to plant that seed. Plant those seeds of faith. And God is the one who brings the increase. God is the one who develops the faith. God is the one who grows the faith within people. God is the one who grows that that plant of faith. But it starts when we sow the seed. And we reap an incredible harvest. We've seen it happen here at GFCC. Over the last five, six years, we've almost tripled in size More and more people coming to faith in Jesus. More and more people coming to praise the Lord. More and more people uh, being saved uh, through the power of God's grace. We've seen it happen. And it's going to continue happening. I love what God is doing here. And you are a result of that. You are here because of God's faithfulness and God's grace. So let's keep it going. Let's keep sharing that faith with others. Scattering that seeds, planting those seeds, sowing those seeds so that they will turn and be forgiven. Jesus tells one more parable. It's a parable of a mustard seed. and he's comparing the kingdom of God to this tiny little seed, this little mustard seed. Look at uh, verses 31 uh, and 32. It is like a mustard seed. The kingdom of God is like a mustard seed, which is the smallest seed you plant in the ground. Yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants with such big branches that the birds of the air can perch in its shade. So you have this tiny little, how many of you have ever seen a mustard seed? They're tiny, they're, they're, they're I mean, almost microscopic, they're so small. And yet when you plant it, it grows into a large shrub or a small tree, big enough for birds to, to perch in them. And so you've got this tiny little seed, and Jesus is talking about the the exponential growth of faith and the exponential growth of the kingdom of God. That it started with Jesus and 12 dudes. That was it. Just Jesus and 12 dudes walking around Palestine. And now look at it almost 2 billion people on the planet claim the name of Jesus Christ in one shape or form or another. 2 billion people from Jesus and 12 dudes one of whom really wasn't a a dude with them. He was a betrayer. So Jesus and these 12 guys started this incredible movement. And it makes me wonder, you know, this exponential growth of the kingdom in less than 2,000 years, 2 billion people follow Jesus. So what could God do with 4, 5, 600 people who meet in Griffith on a fairly regular basis? What could he do with us? How could he change the communities around us? The way that he's changed our lives. The way. Uh, how could he help change the communities of Griffith and Highland and Hammond and East Chicago and Gary and Sherwood and Crown Point and Valparaiso and Portage and all the cities around us? How could God use four or five hundred people who are sold out to Him, who are sold out in faith to Jesus Christ? What could He do with us? We watch the news and we just kind of wring our hands, going, "Oh, is anybody going to do anything?" Yes, we are going to do something. We need to do something. We need to make a difference. We need to share our faith. We need to live out our faith so that people will hear the good news and their lives will be changed by the love of God. Because I am convinced, I'm convinced that love changes lives. And if we will love people in Jesus' name because of the faith that we have in Christ, we will see lives changed. It's a matter of doing it. It's a matter of committing ourselves to it and just saying we're going to do this. We're going to change the world. We may not change the whole world, but we can change Northwest Indiana. I believe we can do it. We're seeing it happen. And we're going to keep seeing it happen. And we're going to commit ourselves to that. Amen? Well, this passage, this Mark chapter 4, closes with a miracle. Seems kind of strange that we have this little miraculous story right at the end of these parables. But Jesus his, says to his disciples, guys, we're going to go. We're going to the other side of the lake. So get in the boats and let's go. So they all hop in the boats. Now these are seasoned fishermen who fished on the Sea of Galilee all the time. And storms were common on the Sea of Galilee. In fact, the, the reason is, is that the, the Sea of Galilee sits down in a valley surrounded by mountains. And cool mountain air uh, floods in to where the, the warm sun has heated up the valley. And storms pop up all the time. Furious storms. And this is what happens. Uh, look in uh, verses 37:38. Um, uh, it says, "A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, get this, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, "Teacher, don't you care if we drown?" My wife and I, when we got married, went to Myrtle Beach for our honeymoon. And uh, one of the days that we were in Myrtle Beach, we went to North Carolina, we got on a dolphin cruise, and we went out on the Atlantic Ocean on this dolphin cruise, we got to see dolphins, it was amazing, it was magical, I had tears in my eyes, it was beautiful. Anyway, we're out on, this, we're out on, the, uh, out on the Atlantic, and the, the wind was a little strong that day, the, the boat was being tossed around a little bit, Pastor Sean was feeling a little nauseous, just a little bit, you know. I'm trying to figure out. There's this furious storm on the Sea of Galilee. The waves are crashing over the boat. The boat is being tossed about. And Jesus is sleeping? I would have been over the side of the boat, green. But Jesus is sleeping in the boat. And his disciples wake him up and say, Don't you care if we drown? And maybe you felt that way. Maybe your boat has been tossed about and turned about and is being, and the waves are crashing over it and you're in the midst of this furious storm and you're, you're crying out to God, God, don't you care? Don't you care if I drown? Don't you care that I'm in the midst of this storm? Don't you care that I'm dying here? Jesus wakes up and he commands the wind and the waves to be still. And then he says this to his disciples, verse 40, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? I believe that Jesus, that God uses three things to grow your faith. The first, God will grow your faith through his word. If you are not spending time in the word of God, you are missing out on possibilities and and the potential for your faith to grow. And I want to give you a real practical, simple suggestion If you have one of these, okay, and I'm sure you do, because we we all got them, right? There's 700 million of them in America. There's only 330 million people, but we got 700 million phones. I don't know how that works. Some of you all got three phones. You can't find two of them. You just go out and buy a new one every time you lose your phone. But if you got a phone, there's a great Bible app called Uversion, And the Uversion app has the Bible on it. But it also has Bible reading plans that you can follow. I, I'm doing one right now on developing your leadership potential by Brian Houston, the pastor of Hillsong Church in Australia. And I have to read it in an Australian accent. I have to do that just like I'm at the Outback Steichhouse, Mike. Anyway, um, but it's, it's a great way for your faith to grow, to spend time daily in God's Word. Um, so if you're not spending time in God's Word you are missing out on an opportunity for your faith to grow. And God wants your faith to grow, and he will use his word to do it. And, and let God use his word to grow your faith. Secondly, God will grow your faith through telling others that when you, come, when you, when you share your faith with other people, they're going to ask you questions, and they're going to want to know more. And you may not have all the answers. And don't make stuff up. Don't make stuff up. Just say, you know what? I don't have the answer, but I know someone who might. And then you give me a call. Just say, Sean, do you have the answer to this question? And I may not have the answer, but I have lots and lots of books. Just ask my staff. They'll tell you. I got lots and lots of books. They're everywhere all over my office. And in one of those books, there's an answer. And make, make my investment in books pay off. Okay, so if you don't know the answer, just say, I'm going to call Pastor Sean and we're going to figure this out together and we're going to answer your questions. That's how God can grow your faith. It's when people ask you questions about your faith that you may not know the answer to. God will grow your faith through that. So tell other people about Jesus and let God grow your faith in that way. So God will grow your faith through his word. God will grow your faith through telling others. And God will grow your faith through storms. This is no fun. Storms aren't any fun. Tornadoes, hurricanes, winter storms, ice storms. Storms are no good. But they do develop faith within you. Storms will grow your faith. Storms will test the authenticity of your faith. Storms will prove your faith genuine. Storms will prove your faith real. They will test your faith and the genuineness of it and the authenticity of it. And we all go through them. The question is, are you going through it alone? Are you going through it by yourself? See, when Jesus is with you, When Jesus is in the boat, it may seem like he's sleeping, but I'm telling you right now, the only reason that Jesus is completely calm is because Jesus is in complete control. Jesus is completely calm because Jesus is in complete control. He knows. When he told his disciples, let's go to the other side, he knew a storm was waiting, and yet he slept anyway. Jesus was completely calm because Jesus was in complete control. And Jesus is in control of your storms too. Jesus knows what you're going through. He is not oblivious. He is not blind and he is not asleep on the job. He is completely calm because he's in complete control. And here's the thing about Jesus, okay? He can calm the storms and he calms the storms, but not always in the way that we think he's going to. You see, Jesus sometimes calms the storms around you and sometimes he calms the storms within you. Then he will calm the storms inside of you before he'll calm the storms around you. And so the storm may rage all around you, whether it's financial or emotional or physical or spiritual. The storm may not stop raging around you, but the storm within you does. And you feel that calm reassurance that peace that goes beyond our comprehension, that peace that goes beyond understanding, that Jesus says, I am with you. Be still. I am with you. I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to abandon you. And I'll never forsake you. I am with you. When we choose faith over fear, it means that we're not letting the storms win. When we choose faith over fear, we are not letting the storms win. So my encouragement to you this week, as, you, as we go out of this place, and we head out into the storms, because they're waiting, they're out there, and, and you know, being a Christian doesn't mean that you're never going to face storms. Being a Christian doesn't mean that storms won't pop up, because they do. In all of our lives. And the question is, will we choose faith or will we choose Fear. And when we choose faith, it means that we do not let the storms win. We do not let fear win. We choose faith over fear. Because we know that the one who's in the boat with us, and he is with you, Jesus is completely calm. Because Jesus is in complete control. And I hope that you'll take that with you this week. That as you move about and you face those storms, and and, and just because you come in here for an hour on Sunday doesn't mean the storm's still not out there. And when that storm pops up this week, just remember this simple phrase. Jesus is completely calm because Jesus is in complete control. Rest in that, my friends, and choose faith over fear.